one of the big differences between commercial and residential is the red tape, right? Yep. There's much more requirements by the city. There's more requirements by the architect. There's more requirements by the client, all of the above, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes you're working with, um, you know, larger organizations that have certain requirements for their yep. construction. Hey guys, welcome to the Potter podcast. It is Tyler Dietring, and I'm here once again. Can't do it without him, Nick Burns. What's up, my man? I am uh, having a great start to my Friday. I've had a good week. How's your week looking, Tyler? Uh, the week has been good. There's a there's a lot of moving pieces. We're hiring people. Yep. It's an interesting time to hire certain positions. Mm. Um, a lot of moving pieces right now. We're bidding a lot of projects. There's a lot of pieces moving around. We may be moving offices soon, Maybe which is exciting. Um, speaking of kind of multiple things moving, I was uh, I went to a panel. Uh, it was a panel event this uh, this week for the hospitality industry. So there's some hotel people, some restaurant people, um, and then also people on the design side and development side. And one thing that all of them talked about was that younger people don't want to talk and interact with people as much as older people do in in the hospitality industry they also talked about um the emerging ai industry and kind of all of this new technology is going into things and um and i asked them all i said you're talking about younger generations not wanting to interact with people as much but then also this incoming new ai wave whatever that's going to look like how is that impacting you guys in your decisions on what you're developing and then also how you're building your your own teams internally. And you know what they said? They said, we're going to business models that don't need people. Hmm. One example was a laundromat. He said, you maybe need a couple people there. He said, it's all automated. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Even the same with hotels. Hmm. You don't even have to talk with anybody. You you can online check in. You use your phone to get in as as your key to your door, like your for your hardware and everything. It's all electronic. I guess they're they've talked they they all were talking about moving toward those types of models, which I think is hmm. kind of interesting. That is very interesting. You know, the AI thing, we've we've kind of explored this quite a bit, mm-hmm. AI and how can we use it. And we're finding some really effective uses, which we can maybe discuss in a future podcast. But no, we're <laughs> we're here to talk about the the difference between residential and commercial construction. And I I think it's a really interesting conversation because there are a lot of differences, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day. They're still building buildings, yeah. right? They're still building buildings, yeah. But there's some major differences that I think, if you're not aware of, can get you in trouble yeah. in a hurry. It, it seems like both both residential and commercial construction are very similar in that we're we're at point A, and let's say that we're just going to do a new build. We've got a a, a a plot of land here, and we're going to build this building or this house on this plot of land. Okay. Now, where things really get uh, different, it seems like is in the path to getting there. And so For a couple sure. of things that, that I've got in mind are, you know, contracts, estimating, things like that. Um, what, what do some of those pieces look like that are, how, how are they different and maybe alike Tyler on the yeah, contract? Let's, let's just jump, jump from the beginning. I mean, even before contract, let's talk about plans. Yeah. I mean, if you look at mm. the type of plans that a commercial contractor is working with, I mean, the, the plans could be 50 pages could be 75 could be a hundred pages long. That's not out of the normal. We've seen yeah. that several times, not including the spec book and the spec book is eight <laughs> or 900 pages. And 
So what we kind of talked about before was one of the big differences between commercial and residential is the red tape, right? Yep. There's much more requirements by the city. There's more requirements by the architect. There's more requirements by the client, all of the above, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes you're working with, um, you know, larger organizations that have certain requirements for their yep. construction. Um, but we well, get into like public, public projects and you've got to yeah. start thinking about bonding yeah. insurances and huge things. So, um, so I think that's the major difference is the red tape. So if you look at residential construction, you can work off of a floor plan and there's nothing wrong with that. The floor plan yep. can give you everything you need to give it an estimate and not a bid. It's something that that we've discussed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but with a commercial project, it's much more defined. There's not as much room for interpretation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whenever you think about estimating, what, what we tell people is that our estimate is only going to be as accurate as the plans we have, correct? So whenever they're estimating, when a uh, residential contractors estimating off of a floor plan and some very basic plans, yep. they can't give an, a, a very accurate estimate. Mm-hmm. And so one of the big things that that is true is that a residential contractor is typically working off of a cost plus contract, yep. which means it's going to take the direct cost of the construction plus their markup. And that's what the contract is going to be. Yep. Whenever we are typically on a stipulated sum, or a guaranteed maximum cost contract. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. And so, you know, we and we use some some semblance of a cost plus type of a contract, but only really if we're in some type of a renovation where there's a lot of unknown or something like that. Uh, but then also, you know, thinking about kind of the contract structure there is also like the billing side of things. Mm. You know, we're pretty adamant about no no pay up front, no pay up front, None. and you pay by the progress that is being made. Correct. And, um, you know, like we, we had our conversation with Sean, which you guys can also go check out, um, a little bit more in depth with a residential contractor, um, but talking about kind of the billing structure, I think he did maybe 30, 30, 30, 10. Yeah. So he does, yeah, he just does it on percentage. So 30%, I think 30% after he, um, I think there was some milestone that he hits and he does another 30%, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. Yeah. And one of the big things that we preach is do not ever pay anybody up front. Yeah. But to get a good residential contractor, you're going to have to pay somebody up front. Yeah. So it's so it's so important that you are vetting these residential contractors and you're not paying somebody because, you know, if you're paying them, it's very hard to to have any kind of leverage on somebody if you've already paid them for something that they haven't done. You know, uh, like you were talking about the billing, you know, we don't bill a dime until we've done the work or we get the materials on site, which is a very different strategy than, than the residential. And part of that is because of the residential residential subcontractors, you yep. the residential subcontractors are typically paid weekly. So all of these, uh, residential general contractors, they're having to pay their guys every single week. Whenever it's we, tough. it's very tough. It's tough. Whenever we're on a net 30. So we're paying, um, after they've submitted the billing, about 30 days after they've submitted a billing, typically 30 days, unless the contract's different. Yeah. You know, another thing that that I uh, I think about is, I guess, the timelines on how things happen. You know, I mean, again, we're talking about kind of the diff- one of the major differences. There's seems like a lot more red, red tape, a lot more hoops you got to jump through on the commercial side. You know, and that process, what that process looks like is completely different. I mean, there's a lot more, there's a lot more things to do on the commercial side. It seems like, you know, yeah. I'm, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a ton, a ton, a ton of experience on the residential side. Go listen to the episode with Sean Cooper, 
Um, I thought that was uh, kind of a better better insight piece. Yeah. But one more thing I want to touch on on estimating before we we jump further is um, whenever you're vetting different residential contractors, you really want to get an estimate, right? But then also get references and call those actually call those references. Yep. Um, but what's important in that estimate is to ask what the allowances are because most likely there's not definitions of what they've included. So let's say they have $30,000 for flooring. Okay, well, we haven't actually selected our flooring. So what does your price include? Tell me what per square foot that includes. How much do we have an allowance to do this with? What is your assumptions on this project? Um, And then also make sure they include exclusions because just as important as what they're including, it's even more important that you know what they're excluding because they could be excluding a large portion of the project and their number looks smaller, but whenever the other contractor is actually more expensive, he's included everything that's going to need to be done. And so it's very dangerous to um, just go with the low bidder. Um, There needs to be questions. If someone's significantly low or high, you need to ask them why. Say, what have you included? Give me a, a detailed list of what you included, of what you excluded. And if honestly, if they're not able to do that, then that should be a big red flag right there. Tyler, what do you say to the person that says, hey, I just built my house for 300000 bucks, and it was a great process, and um, I've really been looking to get into some commercial real estate I want to own, and I want to I lease space, um, and I've got, I've got an additional $700,000 that I'm able to invest. Let's say that maybe some of that's cash, some of that is financed. I've got $700,000 and I want to build a new building and I want to lease it out. Tyler, what do you say somebody that's got experience on the residential side building, but maybe not on the commercial side? I say it can't be done. <laughs> it, uh, commercial construction is just so difficult. There's so many differences. You can't even compare the two as far as the yep. pricing goes because there's so many more things that factor into the cost. Yep. You know, one of the big things is how do you build the foundation? Um, you know, on a commercial project, you have full civil engineered drawings and that's going to be required by the city. Mm-hmm. So they know exactly what's being, um, what the building is being built upon mm-hmm. and the, the home is just not, it's, they're just built completely different. Um, you know, we, we run into this all the time. We tell somebody, you know, a, a build out's going to cost $300,000. And they say, well, I just built my house for that. That, that doesn't seem right. And it, that's just how it works. Yep. And it's, um, it, you know, that's all based off of the subcontractors cost and the, the materials that are required and the permitting and the city requirements. There's so many things that you don't think about. You really can get into a big trap of trying to compare the cost of commercial versus residential construction yep. because they don't translate. Okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do the same thing two times in a row. We're gonna do two different methods. In method A, there's not gonna be as much oversight, and there's not gonna be as much uh, you know legality that we have to follow in order to do it, quote unquote, the proper way, right? By the books. And then on the other end, uh, on on uh, example B, we're gonna do it where there is a lot of oversight, there is a lot of regulation that we have to follow, and there is a lot of um, quote unquote making sure things are done the proper way. And I would ask, which one is going to cost more? Well, I think the answer is pretty easily 
and uh, example B, yeah. simply because there's just more time that goes into sure. making sure that things are done this certain way. Mm-hmm. And there's also costs associated with those regulatory bodies where you, know, you think about permitting or inspections, you have to pay for that. Mm-hmm. And so there's just additional costs there, but then also the additional man hours that it has to take to, to make sure you're coordinating and managing all of those processes properly. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. I mean, well, yeah. I've said that, but now I'm going to add something. To that. <laughs> but you know, the more detail there are, they, the subcontractor understands that there's a different level they're going to be held to. And that's okay. We we're totally fine holding our subcontractors to a certain level. Um, as long as they understand that in the beginning, but it is for sure going to make the cost more expensive every single time, every time. Yep. Yeah. So I think, uh, I guess to leave the people here with, I guess, a framed in thought, um, you know, we're thinking about Whenever you're, whenever you're thinking about residential construction versus commercial construction, think about some of those things. What is the contract structure? What does the, what does the estimating and, and getting the numbers together side of things look like? And, and what, what are those things? What does the team of, of, uh, of a residential contractor versus a commercial contractor look like? Um, there's, there's a lot of differences there. There's a lot of similarities, but, um, I think that's a kind of an interesting. An interesting comparison there. And also, too, go check out, go listen to the episode with Sean Cooper. I think that's uh, definitely a, a better in-depth conversation yeah. about some of those differences. And at but, the end of the day, you know, really the point of this is to to kind of highlight some of the differences. But yeah. also, if you're in the market for a commercial or a residential contractor, the same is true for both. You're going to want to get um, as good of an estimate as possible from both different um, types of contractors, but you're also going to want to get a list of references and actually call those references, call yep. them, say, Hey, did, uh, did the number they gave, how accurate was it? Were they on time? How was it to deal with them? Were they good communicators? Give me an example of how they were good communicators. Did you know what was going on? Did they run things by you? All of these things are important. And at the end of the day, if, if you talk with other people who have used them before, I think that's the best chance the the highest likelihood that you're going to get have a good experience and find a good contractor. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is residential versus commercial here. Go check out the interview that we did do with Sean Cooper of Sean U Cooper Construction. What do you want the people to do? Go check it out. Go okay. listen to it. Go listen Let's to go, it, baby. And then uh and then keep on going down the train here beyond hard hats, baby. Keep going down the list. We're going to keep taking you all the way through the construction process and pre-construction process. We just want to educate the people. We just want to edumacate the people. Edumacate. That's right. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Pottery Podcast. And we will catch you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>